Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or of prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This, of course, is the First Amendment that many churches have been putting on their radar and putting at the forefront of their mind for several months now as we're entering probably our third or fourth year of the coronavirus lockdown and things thereof. I said year because it feels like it's been years, but it's been three or four months since the coronavirus COVID-19 has hit the United States at least. They say it's been here since probably November or December of 2019. If that's the case, then it's been here much longer than three or four months. However, because of this, many churches have been recalling the First Amendment that says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. If you've been listening to the podcast or if you've been watching the news or reading social media, you'll know that there are many places that the government is not allowing the church to meet. And if they are, they're putting them on very strict things that they need to follow to be able to meet. So that leads me to what we're going to be talking about today on this episode. As you've probably seen, and as you know, Mr. George Floyd was murdered at the hand of a police officer on May the 25th. And that began a public outcry. Now, since this, there have been many uh, thoughts and a lot of talking around the issue, some that is not warranted, some that is not necessarily true, some things that have been speculated but we can't prove right now, which, let me just say this, if we were to say that the officer who murdered Mr. Floyd was racist, and it was an act of racism that this happened, we can't truly say that at this point. There has been no mention from the officer involved that he did this from a racist heart. Uh, Although it, it, it could seem racist, we can't really prove that it was. So to speak to another person's motives at times without knowing the true motive behind things is sinful because we are speaking to something that we have no proof of. Just because we see a white officer murder a black man does not necessarily mean we go straight to race. Now, I know many of you may disagree with me, and that is okay. We have to disagree in love, and I, for one, am 100% on board that I do believe that Mr. Floyd was murdered by this police officer, and I pray that justice will be served to this police officer who murdered this man. Now, we see it on the video. We see the murder happen on video, which is troubling to watch if you've seen it. It's 
uh, troubling nine minutes worth of video, and uh, no man, no woman, no boy or girl should ever have to go through being handcuffed, being restrained, and also having the weight of another human being pressed down on their neck. That is just uncalled for for especially that long a time, especially when there is a back seat he could have been put in. In either case, it's, it's, it's sinful to talk about motives as if they were 100% true, but we can talk about that later. However, what this has done is this has sparked a controversy nationwide. It should spark a controversy. It should spark conversation. It should spark a need for change, especially when it comes to police officers who use their badge as a way to bully people and kind of act above the law themselves. We should have those talks. And if we look at the First Amendment, we see that it goes on to say that we have the right as people to assemble peacefully. So we can peacefully come together, have talks, have conversation, talk about solutions, all of these things. We have the right to peace, peacefully do that. And in many cities, in many states across the United States, that has happened. There has been a uh, there's been an assembly of peaceful protest happen all across the land. Now, here's the problem. Many of those peaceful protests quickly have turned into violent protest in the form of rioting and looting and uh, assault and even murder or attempted murder. I'm troubled by this because we live in a world where we do have the amendment that teaches us that we can peacefully assemble. You can peacefully assemble in protest. There's nothing wrong with that. If there needs to be change, we need to talk about the change. We need to reform any laws that may be outdated. We may need to create new laws to help support the people of the United States of America. But when your peaceful protest is not being met with frustration from the government because you're meeting in the midst of a pandemic, yet when the church is meeting in the midst of pandemic, it gets railed on, and, uh, man, the two are not the same. One is going to gather together to worship the Lord, to pray for city and, and state leaders, uh, they're going to serve the body of Christ. They're going to serve the city in which they live in. They're going to do great things that the Bible teaches us to do, yet that assembly is deemed unlawful when many protests are going on. And, and, and hear me say this. Hear my heart. I, I'm, for, I'm for the protest. I'm for a peaceful protest. I'm, if that's what needs to be done, then do it. I am in favor of a peaceful protest no matter what the subject is, no matter what the argument is, no matter what the frustration is, I am all for your right to peacefully protest. But what happens is when the religious side, the Christian side especially, gathers, there's a lot of heavy-handedness. Now, 
when there's peaceful protests in the street of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people gathered together right up on top of each other. There's no mention of the pandemic. There's no mention of wearing your mask, using social distancing. None of those things. There, there's nothing breaking up these protests. And I find that troubling. I find that very troubling that our nation would rather see thousands of people stand shoulder to shoulder in a peaceful protest in the middle of the streets, and they would rather not see churches of 40, 50, 100, 200, however many are in a church, gather together to worship the God of the Bible. And if they're doing what God has called them to do, they're praying for the city leaders and state leaders that are sitting in the positions making these rules. So you've got some out here peacefully protesting, ignoring all of these social distancing things, and, and then you've got churches that are doing what they're called to do by God and gathering as the saints, and the two are not the same, although we both share the same amendment. So this is a frustrating thing from the side of a Christian that is living in this time, in this era, to see happening right in front of our eyes. Now, again, I'm all for the peaceful protest, but here's what happens the protest turns to violence. I've been reading that several cities have ultimately up to a certain point allowed these protests, and then many of them have started to say this is now an unlawful protest. So what makes a protest unlawful that they have to then begin to break up, send people home, bring in pepper spray, start shutting this thing down? This is what happens to make a protest unlawful, and it's when violence occurs or some sort of criminal activity. When people start throwing rocks, water bottles, they start busting up car windows, setting uh, cars on fire, when they start breaking glass, when they start looting, when they start doing all these things, when they start criminal activity is then when these things are banned. Now, help me out here. Churches in many areas are banned from gathering, and the protests can continue to happen, and they're not banned or they're not broken up until violence occurs. Yet you have the church that is banned just because. Now, you can't tell me it's just because, or you can't tell me it's to keep people safe. It's not those things. It's The government does not want the church to continue. They want to kill the church. At very least, they want to strip all the rights and freedoms away from the church. But listen, the Bible says the gates of hell will not even prevail against the church, so the government is not going to rule and reign and win when it comes to the church. God's church will continue to be together. God's church will not be defeated. There's nothing that can stop what God is going to do with his church. But do you see the the, the the frustration that's here? Do you see the frustration where you have Christian people that are banned from gathering, and yet you have protesters that are like being praised, thank you for doing what you're doing, and yes, that's great, that's awesome, and then it takes violence to shut it down. The church the last I checked, has not been violent. Yet they're shut down in many places. 
And, and there are some cities that are continuing to allow the violence to happen. They're not even deeming the protest an unlawful assembly anymore. They're just letting it happen. Now, we can talk about conspiracy theories. We can talk about professional rioters coming into cities and doing this. We can talk about the government having their hand in this. But all I want to say in this first part of this podcast is do you see the hypocrisy with the government? And it's gut-wrenching to watch play out right in front of our eyes. So I say that to just say, remain alert. Watch what's going on. Watch what's happening. Because it is important to see the writing on the wall because the government wants churches to close for the most part. So keep that in mind as you see these riots take place and you see businesses broken into and you see all of these things happen as a result of being allowed to do so And don't forget, in the midst of a pandemic, when churches are being told, not asked, they've been told they cannot open, they cannot function, they cannot operate because of a pandemic. So there's um, hypocrisy there, there's frustration, but we move on. What I want to talk about now is racism, because every time something happens between... uh, people of different races in something like this, it, it immediately the conversation shifts to racism. Now, I will tell you this, that yes, racism is a thing still today in this country. Sadly enough, I have to admit that, that people are racist. Now, we talk about racism, we have to talk about racism amongst all races, because racism does in fact exist amongst all races. Now, there are many people that think that these protests and riots are going to change racism in our world today. And I'm going to be honest with you and just going to say this very clearly that the answer to racism is not violence. The answer to racism is not even a peaceful protest. The answer to racism in what many people think is to throw money at it, to throw a program at it, to throw some sort of thing at the problem when nothing is going to sustain or change. Maybe it'll change, but it won't sustain. Let me put it that way. You might could change this racism problem for a couple of months, but really racism doesn't go away. You could throw a great deal of money at an issue in a certain city, and things may seem better, but... Racism's not going to go away because you throw money at a problem. Racism is not going to go away because you have the best program in your city or in your schools or in your churches. Let me be clear on this episode is racism is only going to go away as a result of the shed blood of Christ. There is nothing in this world that we can throw at racism for racism to end. Racism can only end when the gospel is preached. Let me tell you what I mean. Racism is a sin. We live in a fallen world. There are many different kinds of sin, and, and racism is a greed, just it's a terrible sin that grieves the heart of God. And we have to be clear in our understanding that Racism is a sin. I don't care if you are white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're Hispanic. 
if you are whatever, no matter what your race is, it's sin to be racist. Mainly because the Bible teaches that it's racist, or that I'm sorry, that it's sin. Racism is sin. Why? Because we are looking at someone of another color and we are making judgments about them and we are making jokes about them. We are being prejudiced against them. We are believing that they are inferior to whatever race, whether it be whites thinking blacks are inferior to them uh, or blacks thinking whites are inferior to them or Hispanics or you name it, it's in there. It's a sin because we're looking at somebody else that is created in the image of God. That is the first thing we have to understand is that your black neighbor your white neighbor, your Hispanic neighbor, your Italian neighbor, your French neighbor, your whatever race neighbor is created in the image of God. They are an image bearer of God Almighty. So we look at an image bearer of God and we want to make a discrimination against them or a prejudice against them simply because their skin color is different than ours. That is sinful. That is the fallen world that we live in. So if sin is in this world, we are sinful people, by nature, children of wrath. So let me be clear with you. It is in the human nature from the very beginning of our life to be in sin. Now, for some of that, some of us, that may include racism. That may be any other type of sin. You, you name it, it's out there. If it's sin, then we are prone to wander and be in that sin. Not everybody in the world grows up and they're racist. Not everybody is being taught that way in their childhood. Not everybody is going to have that certain sin. But sin comes in all forms, shapes, and sizes. Either way it comes, it's sin. This is a direct violation of God and who he is to be racist. It is a sin. You have sinned against a holy God when you think you are better than someone else, whether it's because of their skin color or even their social status. It is a sin to do these things. So we all live in a sinful world. We all are sinful. Romans 3 teaches us that there is not one good person. We all run from God. No one seeks God. We are at, we are at war with God. We are hostile with God. So our worldview is not going to be a biblical worldview before we become a Christian. So naturally, we see racism play out, and then naturally, we see a, a violent response to racism in our country, whether that be with the Ku Klux Klan or whether that be with the Black Panthers or any other type of racist organization that promotes and pushes some sort of criminal, violent behavior. Now, I would... I reject groups like the KKK. I reject groups like the Black Panthers. I reject any sort of racially charged group that sets out with an agenda to harm or at least verbally harm someone of another color. Now, I understand why these groups exist because racism exists, but the response to racism can be sin as well. And I think that when we 
put these other issues out there like money and programs and and protest and things like that. None of these things are ultimately going to fix racism. I mentioned the shed blood of Christ is what's going to fix racism. And the thing is, worldviews clash when it comes to this. A biblical worldview teaches us that, yes, indeed, God reigns supreme. He sent his son Jesus to die for sinners like you and I. He died for the racist people in the world. And when we repent of our sin, we repent of all of our sin, including racism, and we put our faith in Christ, then those things we should turn from. Now, every time some sort of sin pops up in our life, we continue to repent and move forward following Christ. A life of a Christian is a life of repentance and faith. So if we are born again believers in Christ, then there should not be a racist bone in our body. This is one reason I reject the KKK emphatically because they claim to be Christians. And let me be clear right now. If you are racist, you are not a Christian. If you can be racist and be okay with that, you are not a believer. Because the heart of a believer is different than the heart of an unbeliever. The heart of a believer is going to understand the Bible. Not all of it. Let me just be clear in that. We're not going to understand every bit of the Bible Maybe until, uh, maybe if we're, when we're glorified, we'll understand it. Maybe we won't understand it all then. Maybe we won't even care because we will be with Christ. But one thing the Bible does say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and listen, I've seen people take serious backlash from saying this very verse, but it says this in Galatians three twenty-eight: there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. One in Christ. Now listen, are there male and females in this world? Absolutely. Uh, there are males and females. We can just clearly see that, right? So what this passage is saying that is if you are in Christ, then you are one with your black brothers and sisters, you are one with the Hispanic brothers and sisters in Christ. You are one with the Greeks, the Hebrews. Anybody that is in Christ, you are one with. So if you have a problem being one with every other race that is a believer in Christ, then you have a problem with Christ himself. Because Christ died for all types of people. He died for every type of people that you can imagine. He died for all people of different colors. He died for all people of different socioeconomic statuses. He died for people of all backgrounds, all religions. That's why we see people come out of different religions and be saved, because he's died for all types of people. And when we understand that Jesus died for all types of people, and we have truly, now that's a qualifying word there, truly repented of our sin and trusted Christ, it is then and only then that we will understand and believe that we are one in Christ, and we will see our brothers and sisters of different color no different than we see us because we are all one in Christ put here to give God glory, to enjoy him, to build one another up, to preach the gospel, 
to serve one another, to pray for one another. And if we have a problem doing that because somebody's a different color, then we are not a believer. Point and simple. Now, that's why I say that programs and money don't fix this racism thing. What's going to fix racism is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know there are many things out there that talk about white privilege and uh, many black people are afraid to leave their homes because they're afraid to be pulled over and possibly shot. And I get that. I sympathize with that. And I, I hate that for people of color. Now, we have to understand, here's something that we have to do as believers especially, is we have to stop talking about white privilege, black power, and start stop being victimized. And we need to start talking about solutions, and the solution is the proclamation of the gospel. And some people, I started thinking about this. Like, what about the people that aren't saved and I started that they aren't going to believe that that's the way. And I thought to myself, finally, I came to this conclusion, all the more reason to continue to preach the gospel boldly and loudly to anybody and everybody. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution to racism. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution to police brutality. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution to pornography. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution to many, 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 and all sins. So we have got to stop talking about everything other than the gospel. We have to start with the gospel. We have to continue with the gospel. We have to end with the gospel. And we pray that God would save his people. We pray that God would change hearts. And for those that don't believe this is the way, we got to keep preaching the gospel and pray that they would be saved and understand that God does not want us to seek violence, vengeance, revenge, anything. See, we, we tend to try to take things in our own hands, but God said, vengeance is mine. So we have to take a step back and see what are we really changing here? Are we really changing anything by tearing up buildings? Are we really changing anything by talking about white privilege? Are we really changing anything by talking about black power? And yes, black lives matter. I will say that, especially in a time of oppression. Blacks have been oppressed for a long time, and uh, it's just one of those things. However, we also have to look at the other side. There have been a lot of other uh, people groups that have been oppressed as well, other people groups that have been um, pushed back, oppressed, and frustrated. So we can say black lives matter, white lives matter, all lives matter. We can say that, but we should be able to say that about one another. But here's the deal. All of those lives really matter, but what matters the most are lives that are in Christ and lives that need to be in Christ. And that only comes by preaching the gospel. So I pray that we would understand that the gospel is should be the first thing on our lips in situations like this. And not only situations like this, but situations all the time. Every situation that we come across should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And parents, you should be teaching and training your children in your own home. If you are believers and true believers, then there's not supposed to be any racism in your life. So you should be teaching your kids to love all people. As a matter of fact, one of the things that happened in my life is my parents never had to teach me to 
love people of all colors. They never taught me not to. That, that, that is a big thing that is in my life as I think back to my childhood. And they never brought up race. Like, they never told me not to love black people. They never told me not to hang around black people. They never told me to do it either. It's just, we're all one. We're all created in the image of God. We all have to understand that no one is better than the other. There is nobody in this world superior than another people group at all. The only superior one is Christ Jesus, and he reigns supreme, and it is him that we must promote. We have to move past the racial rhetoric. We have to move past these tools that I hear talked about. We have to move past intersectionality. We have to move past all of these things and leave these things in the dust. We got to start talking about the truth. And the only truth that will sustain is the gospel. So how do we do that? How do we make our voices heard when it comes to the gospel? Well, the truth is, and I'm fixing to lay a big bomb on you real here, is many Christians, professing believers, won't even preach the gospel when there's not any sort of frustration going on in our world. I hate to say that, but I, that, that is the that is the been what I've seen happen historically. Is evangelism has just gone by the wayside, and that is troubling. We must recapture the beauty of what God has called us to in evangelism. We must begin to evangelize, to see people saved, to make disciples, to be obedient to what God has called us to. Because if we're not going to be obedient to what God has called us to that we are never going to be part of the change that needs to take place in our country. Because right now, our country is in distress. I've read When to Fly an Upside-Down Flag, and I don't know if this is natural uh, or the exact time to fly an upside-down flag, but you fly an upside-down flag in cases of emergency when there's a, a nation that is in distress. And I f- we are in distress, ladies and gentlemen. The, you can look up Facebook. You can type in protest, hit videos, and you will see a nation in distress because it stretches from the East Coast to the West Coast and everything in between. There are cities all over this continent that are being destroyed at the hands of criminals in the name of justice. And the only justice that we need to be worried about first and foremost is that of God. The Lord Almighty will dish out justice. Our God is a loving and wrathful God. If we die as unbelievers, we receive a just penalty. Justice will be served, and that will be eternity in hell, not even separated from God, but separated from the grace of God as he dishes out wrath for eternity. That's what we should be worried about first and foremost. Where are you spending eternity? Where are your brothers and sisters going to spend eternity? It doesn't matter. Listen, if you pick and choose who you witness to based on their color, then you need to get saved. You need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. We should preach Christ crucified to every person, man, woman, boy, girl, black, white, Hispanic. I I, I draw a blank sometimes on all the races there are, but it doesn't really matter. To me, we are all made in the image of God. That's the only thing that matters. 
So we must be willing to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody, regardless of their race, because we want to see many men and women in heaven. And we have to not be afraid to approach someone in love and boldness with the gospel and pray that God would save them. Because when they're saved, they have a heart change. So we see that on our news and on our Facebook feeds that the people out there rioting, the people out there protesting, even if it's peaceful, they're not going to do what God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit as he saves men and women. When men and women are saved, that's where true change begins. Let's take this thought process to the corrupt cop. So we have a corrupt cop. If we are diligent in preaching and proclaiming the gospel, and people may not even know he is a corrupt cop. Maybe he just has a wicked heart. And there's probably going to be friends of this cop that are believers. So if these believers never preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel to this cop, his heart may never change. That's why it's important that we preach and proclaim the gospel because we don't know who is who. We don't know who is dealing with what. We don't know how wicked people's hearts are. We just know that we need to preach the gospel and we can't wait for somebody else to do it. So this change that needs to happen comes from the shed blood of Christ, the proclamation of Christ, and we pray that people would be saved. And you say, what if people turn violent on you for preaching the gospel? Well, I know another group of folks that they turned violent against as well, and uh, they were martyred for the sake of Christ. I think of Stephen. I think of the disciples. I think of Paul, who was beheaded because of his faith. It doesn't matter what our end road is. What matters is we are obedient to the Lord. And you may say, well, I can't go to these places in these cities where they're rioting, where they're protesting. I can't walk up to people and have conversations. You don't have to. Have a conversation with that person you know. Have a conversation with your family members. Have a conversation with the people you work with because you never know if your gospel presentation is going to be used by God to ultimately save somebody that day or if you're going to plant seeds that God is going to water through time and even those people that you proclaim the gospel to, they may already be saved, may, maybe they'll get saved, and then they, if they're obedient to the word of God, will then go and preach the gospel to other people, and those people will preach the gospel to other people, and who knows, it might just get to that corrupt cop who is saved by God's grace and never puts a knee in a neck again or even thinks about it. So it matters to preach the gospel. The life that matters the most is whether or not that life is in Christ or not. And I want to see lives that are in Christ, that have been changed by the grace of God, that are being used for his glory and the advancement of that gospel. We have a very bad tendency of getting saved and thinking that's it. Like we've got it all together. We're going to keep our faith to ourselves. And that is not what God has called us to. He's called us to preach the gospel and to proclaim the gospel, to teach the gospel. We must be out there diligently praying that people will be saved as a result from hearing the Word of God. If we're not teaching and proclaiming the Word of God, then we are, first of all, being disobedient, and second of all, we're never going to see people change. 
And I believe that God is a sovereign God who has ordained a plan, and I believe that he has included us in that plan. We are used as vessels to bring forth salvation for others. Now, we can't save those people. We can't make them be saved, but we can be used by God to proclaim his word, the gospel, and God, as a result, can save them. So if we want to see true change in America, because right now we're in distress. If it's not COVID-19, it's riots, protests, it's racially charged culture that we live in. It's a never-ending battle in 2020 that we're going through. This has been the craziest year I've ever been a part of. But if we want to see this ship turn, we must preach the gospel. It's that simple. The gospel is the cure to racism. That is where we begin. That's where we remain. And that's where we stay until God calls us home or Jesus comes back, whichever happens first. It must be a daily and ongoing proclamation of the gospel. Because you know what happens when you preach the gospel and somebody gets saved and this person is saved and you know them and you're around them and they can reach out to you. It's now time to disciple. As we disciple people, we teach them, hey, that racism that you have in your heart, that is not becoming of a Christian. That is not something that we should have. That is a sin you must destroy in your life. You must turn from that. So the discipling process is important. So not only do we preach the gospel, we stay true to what God has called us to, and we make disciples. What if Christians were as passionate as the protesters and rioters and looters? that were out there night after night after night holding up signs, chanting no justice, no peace, and I can't breathe and say his name. What if we were that passionate about the name, the only name that matters, and that's Jesus Christ? What if we were as passionate about proclaiming the gospel as these people are about getting out there and protesting for hours and hours upon end only to see anarchy take place? What if we were that passionate that we wouldn't stop until everybody that we know heard the gospel? What if we didn't stop until everybody that we came upon on the streets heard the gospel? It is a matter of obedience and disobedience. What are you going to do? Are you going to remain in your four walls of your church and just pray that everybody there is saved? Are you going to get out there and you're going to preach the gospel? Well, I don't know. If I know everything, yes, you do. All you got to say is repent and believe the gospel. Jesus came and he died. He was buried and rose again. He did this because you're a sinner. He came as the perfect sacrifice and the wrath of God was poured on him instead of you. And if you repent of your sins, which means to acknowledge your sin, confess your sin, turn from that sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ and believe on him that he did come and die and raise again, and is now seated at the right hand of God. If you believe those things, the Bible says you'll be saved. So that's all you got to say. People have to know that they're sinners in need of a Savior. People have to know that they are wretched sinners, and the only remedy is Christ. Listen, I, there's no telling where I would be right now. I, 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 I for sure wouldn't be doing a podcast about Jesus had I not been saved by God's grace and had 
nobody shared the gospel with me, I would still be doing only God knows what, only God knows where, if I'd even be here anymore. But I would be a sinner selling out to the world, living by worldly standards and ideologies, and not by a biblical worldview and Christian ideology. So I'm here by the grace of God, and others are in the same spot that you and I were before God saved us, so we must make it a priority. We must be obedient to the word that we know and love and cherish, the truth of the word of God. We must passionately and boldly preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. The gospel is the remedy to sin. The gospel is the remedy to racism, which is a sin. Let's stop looking for the next protest and next uh, thing that we can tear up, and let's look to the next person that we can share the gospel with. Let's pray that God would save them, and let's pray that it would spark a revolution, the right kind of revolution, a biblical revolution where we turn to God, where we see a true revival sweep across this land, and it can only happen, it can happen by God's grace if he would like for it to, but I believe that we have to be instrumental in that, although God, again, hear me, he could start a revival with or without us, and that's his prerogative. He can do that. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. But I do believe that we have to be a part of that before a revival can take place. We have to be passionate about it. We have to be revived ourselves, and we have to preach the gospel and pray that the Holy Spirit would move across this land and 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 change this racism, this this disobedient police officers, that we change. Maybe it's not a person with racism. Maybe it's not a person that's a, uh, a an abusive police officer. Maybe it's just a person living in sin of any kind. We want to see those people saved by the grace of God. And only they can be saved by the grace of God by hearing the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you. Those people you have in your life, those conversations you're having, whether they're in person or on social media, bring them all back to the gospel. Start there. And if the conversation doesn't start there, bring it back there. Because it's only the gospel that is going to change hearts as they move from death to life. So I want to challenge you. Preach the gospel. Be obedient. Be bold. Be loving in your gospel presentation. I know many people have a knack of being smart alecks and uh, really rude sometimes in their gospel presentations. That's uh, probably a, a good sign that you need to check your own heart if you are. But be bold, be loving, preach the gospel. Let's stop looking for programs and let's stop throwing money at a situation that won't change. It's got to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's get on that and let's stay on that. Let's keep preaching that until Jesus comes back. And we pray that God would change hearts and heal people. And we would see less and less of this violence take place, a less and less of uh, racism go on in our world. And we would see a lot more glory given to God through everything that all believers do. Preach the gospel in season, out of season, which means all the time. And pray that God would change hearts. That's the challenge that's the state of our union. We're in distress, but we serve a God that can change it all. He's in charge of it all, and 
we can be vessels used for his glory. Until next time, feel free to give us a comment. Email us, drmatterspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is there anything else that works other than the gospel? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time, God bless.